We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to What's the Good Word? I know what you're thinking. If you're a listener of the show, you're going, why is Steven not doing this intro? Joshua never does the intro. Well, quite simply, I am expanding the What's the Good Word universe. Now, What's the Good Word has been a podcast that we've been doing for about a year and a half now about Georgia Tech sports and athletics. Um, And that's one of my favorite teams, right? Like, I've been a Georgia Tech fan all my life. That's why I started the podcast. But I've been a fan of a lot of other teams as well. And I operate under the assumption that if you are a Georgia Tech fan, there is a non-zero chance that you are a fan of other sports, specifically sports in Atlanta. And so that is what I am doing now because I am looking to get into this field and because I think I have a lot of things to say about these teams. I'm going to be expanding what's the good word to cover all sports in the city of Atlanta and also Cobb County because the Braves. So basically the general idea is going to be this. We still will do What's the Good Word for Georgia Tech. Uh, there will be Tuesday, typically Wednesday is when we upload it. So I believe Wednesday morning will be when that is still uploaded. But my goal is at the beginning of the week to do a Falcons-type episode. I will do a Hawks-type episode, and I will do a Braves episode. So four shows a week, one for each team. You can listen to whichever ones you want. Uh, be forewarned, though, if you don't want all of them downloaded, just keep an eye out either way. We would appreciate it if you do stay subscribed. We would appreciate it if you do uh, continue to follow the podcast. And again, if you want to listen, I'm sure if you're a Fal- if you're a Georgia Tech fan, uh, you know somebody else who's a sports fan, and let them know about this podcast. If you're a Falcons fan, I'm sure you know another Falcons fan. And if you need someone else to wallow in the pain with you and I, let them know about this podcast. So I am trying to make this a one-stop shop for all things Georgia, Atlanta, specifically sports. We don't care about those those dogs over in Athens, right? We, we've established that. But everything else, Atlanta, for uh, except for Atlanta United, because I don't feel comfortable talking about any of them, um, this will be the area to go. So today is going to be the Falcons episode. And there's a lot to talk about, right? I mean, the season's over officially. The Super Bowl was a week, a couple weeks ago. So I wanted to kind of sum up the offseason and kind of give a, a, a quick and easy preview. We're going to talk about what's already, what has already happened and what will likely be happening. So first of all, on the coaching staff, that has been the big kind of changeover so far. Arthur Smith is gone. I will officially come out and say I am pro firing. I was pro firing Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith was not a great head coach. I wanted to believe in the vision. It did not work. I'm glad that Arthur Blank was able to pull the plug when he did. I was scared he was going to do the Dan Quinn thing and give him a whole nother year where he could potentially convince us that maybe he was turning a corner and then we would just have another couple years of him not, you know, doing what we wanted him to do. So the new head coach is going to be Raheem Morse, which I'm sure you know by now, but um, Raheem Morse was also one of the ones that I wanted to be hired. Raheem was in my top three in this hiring cycle. Um, The big talking point has been why did the Falcons not hire Bill Belichick? And Arthur Blank, for some reason or another, came out and said that they just thought Raheem Morris, they didn't, he didn't hire Bill Belichick, even though Bill Belichick didn't ask for the personnel control that it was rumored that he wanted. He didn't, he was very work easy to work with. He wanted to work with Fontenot, yada, yada, yada. 
when you say it that way, it becomes weird as to why he didn't hire Belichick. But quite simply, I think they didn't hire Belichick because they don't know how much longer Belichick has in this game. Right. Belichick is in his 70s. Uh, and if you look at his previous couple track records of the last couple years, he has not. It looked like the game has potentially passed him by. And he does. He has. His coordinator hires have been questionable, to say the least, in the last couple of years. From Matt Patricia and Joe Judge uh, running the offense for whatever reason to just consistently keeping it in the building, never going outside the Patriot way. I can understand why. I wasn't the biggest fan of hiring Belichick if he was the one that was hired. I would have supported him, obviously. But I didn't think he was a great get. I was more Brian Flores, Raheem Morris... And Mike Vrabel, those are the three that I really liked. And I'm glad that we got Raheem Morris. Now, you remember Raheem Morris because he was the interim coach for the Atlanta Falcons when Dan Quinn was fired, I believe back in 2020. And he was 4-7 and seven with the uh, Falcons, but in all fairness, that team wasn't exactly great. He did kind of come in and he at least had the team playing better because Dan Quinn was like 0-5 when he first started or when that season started, so it was not the worst. He also has a he has a very bad record as a head coach because he had a couple years with Tampa Bay where he was not good, but when you look back into that situation, it was just a screwed-up situation from the beginning. He was probably too young to be a head coach. It was due to some infighting with ownership and John Gruden that he even got that job in the first place, um, and management was not really behind him. His quarterback was Josh Freeman, for crying out loud. So I, I try not – I'm not judging him too much. The fact of the matter is when it was hired, basically everybody that has ever worked with him came out and was like, oh, good, he deserves another shot. He's been awesome. He's awesome. And he's a very, very well-liked man in the National Football League. And to me, that's like the biggest – that's the biggest reason to trust him, right? So he's been the defensive coordinator for the last three years over in Los Angeles with the Rams uh, where they've made two postseason appearances. He does have a ring, Super Bowl 56. He was that defensive coordinator. Um, and his unit has been very good. Now, 2023, if you look into it, they, their numbers weren't the greatest. I think they were like maybe 20th in overall defense. There was, there were not a lot of metrics that they were great at, but the reason it was impressive what he did and why he gets so much credit is the Rams had shed a ton of salary, right? Like the, the Rams had to trade a bunch of relatively overpriced veterans. I mean, guys like Jalen Ramsey have been gone, right? They, they, it was built on a bunch of mid round pick specifically in the last year or two and he was still able to get them to a somewhat respectable level the best example of it is Kobe Turner who was a third round pick he was a finalist for AP defensive rookie of the year him and also uh Byron Young just a lot of middle of the middle of the draft guys that were picked by the Rams front office that Raheem Morris was able to put into the best position possible to succeed and the defense has been very good regardless. I mean, in all fairness, he also had Aaron Donald. But in Atlanta, he's going to have another guy by the name of Grady Jarrett. We'll talk about the personnel that he's walking into in the next part of the show. But Raheem Morris has – he's been a defensive coordinator for a while. He's always kind of been a respected guy. I'm glad he's getting another shot, and I'm even more glad that it's with Atlanta because, like I said, I feel like he was the best combination of he's been there and he's done this, so he kind of knows what the job entails – but also there's some upside there because his other situations as a head coach, he was not he was not in the best position. Now, he did bring in two new coordinators, um, and I will say it's kind of sad to see Ryan Nielsen leave, but I kind of figured when Arthur Smith got fired that Nielsen would be gone just because that's kind of how it normally works is that the new coach gets to bring in his new coordinators. So the first one we're going to talk about is offensive coordinator Zach Robinson. 
coming over from the Rams with Raheem Morris, he was one of the hottest names in the coordinator offensive coordinator hiring because he comes from the Sean McVay tree, which is like the number one thing you can put on your resume nowadays. But he's been with the Rams for five seasons. He's been everything from a passing game coordinator to a quarterback's coach, to assistant quarterback's coach, to assistant wide receiver's coach. Basically, he's worked up and down the offense, right? And the big kind of the big kind of accomplishment for him was in 2022 when the Rams had four different uh, starting quarterbacks. And when Stafford, Matthew Stafford was healthy, he played well. He was able to onboard Baker Mayfield, who historic, you know, famously was picked up on Tuesday and started a game on like Sunday and led them to victory. Uh, game-winning drive, no less. And then they also had guys like John Wofford starting games, or uh, either way. He, he's he's kind of worked with everybody. And again, he's never, so he's never really called plays at the NFL level, but he's been, or he was a coach at the quarterback ranch in South Lake, Texas. I believe he worked for Pro Football Focus at one point. He's a former NFL quarterback himself, although he was a seventh-round pick. Um. I just he he's kind of one of those young up and comers that you hope to grab. If he's as good as everybody thinks he could be, he probably won't be here for more than two, three years, like Kyle Shanahan, for example. But basically about as good as you could get on the offensive coordinator hire unless you were going to do like a retread, which more often than not, there's a reason they're retread. So you like that. And then the other coordinator hire was Jimmy Lake, who has a bit of an interesting history. So he's worked with Aheem Morris at multiple different stops. He started his career in Tampa as like an assistant defensive backs coach when Raheem Morris was hired as the defensive backs coach there before he became the head coach. Jimmy Lake was also up for it. He got to work with Aheem Morris for that year, said he had a great relationship with him. He also came back to coach with him um, later on before he started his coaching career in college, which is where he kind of made his name. So he worked at the University of Washington, for a while, uh, specifically as a defensive coordinator, his defenses were always like top 15 in the nation. He had some fear defense. He was the defensive coordinator, I believe, on that Washington team that made the college football playoff back in like 2016, right? Um, so he had a great, yeah, in 2016, they were 12-2. and two. He was the co-defensive coordinator and defensive backs coach. He even got to be Washington's head coach, and he was not awful there, but he had to be fired because he – Pushed a player on the sidelines, so not a great look for him there. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't do that, you know, here. But he was, he did get a job with the Los Angeles Rams, where he was the defensive coordinator, um, where he was the assistant head coach in 2023. And you know, he's just he's been kind of everywhere. He's always he said his dream job was to be an uh, NFL defensive coordinator. He, that was in an interview with Josh Kendall that was published uh, Monday morning in the Athletic. So. You like the hire again. His his defenses in college were great, and in that story, also he was quoted as saying, "You know, all of the defenses that I was used to in college are now kind of making their way to the NFL." So, this is all stuff that I've seen before. So that's that's a good that's a good good little note. Uh, glad to hear it. And then the other big thing that I've noted, he wants to play a three four. So, at least I think that'll be good for Arnold Abiketti specifically. But he also he the way he put it was, I want my defense to look complicated to the offense and be simple for the defense. So he wants it to look complicated, but it'd be very simplified for the guys running it. And that's fine by me. So the rest of the coaching staff, uh, there wasn't a ton. I'm not going to hit on a ton of people, but Raheem Morris did keep special teams coordinator Marquise Williams, which I'm good with. The Falcons have always been a pretty good special teams coach. They're a special teams guy. They, he also kept Jerry Gray, who's been around football for you know multiple decades, 
Uh, he was the assistant head coach last year as well. The big one for me was offensive line coach Dwayne Ledford. Dwayne Ledford is one of the most highly regarded offensive line coaches in the NFL. And to be able to hold on to him and kind of keep him in-house is a big deal for the Atlanta Falcons. Because they are, they've always, <laughs> when the Matt Ryan days, they struggled with offensive lines. Um, never had great protection except for a couple years here and there. The last two years, the Atlanta Falcons offensive line has been a very good unit. Even last year when they, quote, took a step back, they were still borderline top 10. There was just a couple guys who had some bad games. And you were also breaking in a rookie at one of the guard positions. But either way, you get hold on to him. Matt Schaub is also a football analyst. And TJ Yates is the quarterback's coach now, which makes so much more sense. I am not 100% sure why he was the wide receivers coach when he was a decade-long NFL quarterback. I'm not sure what the motivation was there, but that's just another thing that Arthur Smith did that caused fans to question why he was in the position he was in, uh, from not using B. John Robinson to having a quarterback coaching the wide receivers. Anyway, so those are, those are kind of the big coaching staff updates. Not, I don't want to go too deep into it because, again, I'm not going to pretend to be a, a you know definite expert on schematics and stuff, but they're very highly regarded guys in the industry. Those are the guys that I trust, the guys that are around people like that every day. So Raheem Morris, I loved as a hire. Zach Robinson was one of the most highly sought at offensive coordinators in this uh, hiring cycle. And Jimmy Lake made a name for himself in college. So shout out Raheem Morris. Great pickups. Now, the second part of the show right here, we're going to be talking about the Atlanta Falcons roster and what they might need for this upcoming season. So to start off with, we have to talk about who is potentially out the door or who has the chance to leave. In terms of unrestricted free agents, the Falcons have 21 total players who will be unrestricted free agents. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there's there's no none of the stars are up for uh, free agency. Now, we will need to extend A.J. Terrell if we want him to stay in town, which I am 100% a proponent for because A.J. Terrell is awesome. But the biggest names hitting the free agent market are Calais Campbell and Bud Dupree, who I believe co-led the team last year in sacks with about five, six and a half. You also have Cordero Patterson, Mac Hollins, Jeff Okuda, Van Jefferson, uh, Kentavis Street, who played a pretty big role for the Falcons for a couple games, coming over in a midseason trade until he suffered a season-ending injury. Um, Kadero Hodge. And then other than that, it's just a lot of kind of um, – what's the word uh role players guys that you could kind of replace in the draft the other big one is nate landman is going to be an exclusive rights for agents i imagine the falcons will bring him back after the year he had last year he was quite uh quite simply just fantastic to have around also trey flowers who got toasted very frequently scotty miller and um arthur smith favorite michael pruitt so of those guys, I imagine the most likely ones that will be re-signed is Calais Campbell. If he wants to come back, I'm sure that he will have a spot. He was effective even in his like age 37 season. He's kind of going to go year by year probably. I also imagine that Bud Dupree will at least be talked to, especially with a move to a 3-4 uh, after that performance he had where he was a, a rotational edge rusher. If you bring him back and he's your, your number one pass rusher again, that's a problem, but we'll talk about that here in a second. Jeff Okuda... I, if you had asked me about 12 weeks into the season, I would have said yes, absolutely. But he got benched down the stretch for rookie Clark Phillips. So I don't know. That's really going to come down to what Lake is looking for on the boundary. It depend, It also depends on his contract demands. If you've got another team willing to offer him multiple years and like a $10, $10, $10 million plus salary per year, 
I would imagine the answer is no, because he was not that good. He was good. He was just, he was similar to what Jeff Okuda was in Detroit, right? He was very up. He was very down. There were some injury problems. Um, as for the smaller time guys, I wouldn't mind seeing Kadero Hodge come back on a cheap deal. He's a good blocking wide receiver. He's not bad to have. The problem with the team this year was he was like the number three receiver, which is not where he should be. He should be probably number five. And then other than that, I mean, Contavious Street, I think would be a good rotational defensive tackle, defensive end. And Liam McCullough is the long snapper is also an exclusive rights free agent. I would like to see him come back. Otherwise, I, I none of those guys leaving would necessarily be a huge blow to me. So what does the team need and where should they be looking to get it? Well, quite simply, the number one thing and probably what's going to de- you know, dominate the conversation on this podcast, any other podcast, any article that you read about the Atlanta Falcons, it is going to be the quarterback. The quarterback position is going to be the number one uh, question mark this offseason. What are they planning to do at the quarterback position? What is this new regime going to do? And there, there's there's two camps, and depending on your opinion, you'll believe. I see benefits to everything, right? I see benefits to both sides. If it was up to me, I would go through the draft because you've got a new head coach. You might as well bring in a new quarterback. The problem is the Atlanta Falcons are currently sitting at number eight, and to get one of the top two passers, Drake May and Caleb Williams, they would have to trade up. Now, if they sat still and were able to get Jaden Daniels, I wouldn't hate that at all. It's just there's definitely a, a bit of a drop-off between – Williams, the Williams May tier and Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels is a good prospect, and I think he could be a good player. There's just there's a reason that he's been in college for as long as he's been, and he was like a pretty confident like third, fourth round pick at the beginning of this year. Now he broke out and he's looked very good. Don't get me wrong, and that's why I'm okay if we take him at eight. But the issue is he might not get to eight, and if the Falcons want to draft a legitimate like top tier quarterback prospect they might have to move up if they wait till like the second or third round and and try to find another guy that they think like Desmond Ritter where he can outperform his draft stock I would be very cautious about doing that because as we saw with Desmond Ritter those guys are far from you know sure things then you're looking at like J.J. McCarthy Michael Penix Jr. heaven forbid Bo Nix I'll probably talk about that more on a later episode but that is I am not a fan of Bo Nix um, I would have liked Cameron Ward as like a developmental guy, but he's going back to college. And then there's just a whole bunch of other, you know, there's like a couple intriguing tools, but there's also reasons why they're being talked about as fourth round picks. And then the other thing is, do they sign a free agent maybe? Well, if there was a year to be in the market for a quarterback as a free agent, this might be one of the better years. Now, again, you're not going to find any stars in a free agency. For example, you know, everybody loves to talk about why didn't the Falcons just go get Lamar Jackson? Because Lamar Jackson was never actually available. And I really wish we would just kind of kill that narrative because Lamar Jackson was never going to be, if he, even if he signed with the Falcons, the Ravens would have matched. And if he had actually signed with the Falcons, the Falcons would have given up two first round picks. And then there's no B. John Robinson. And then we're talking about, well, it's just, you know, we shouldn't have gotten Lamar because now we can't build it. Around him. So anyway, um, in this free agency class, the big name right now is Kirk Cousins who is an unrestricted free agent. He's coming off an Achilles tear. He's like 36. So there's definitely questions. But if you want to talk about a guy you could bring in and he will run your offense pretty efficiently, this is the guy. He is a very high floor quarterback. He has never really been a top 10 guy, but he has very comfortably been around 12 for most of his career. And he's run in an offense, especially this last year, he was putting up his best year to date probably. And I think it's an offense that is relatively similar to what we're going to get out of Zach Robinson. 
So if Kirk Cousins is available, I think that he is actually the best overall option if the Falcons are looking to win now. If they're looking to set their franchise up to compete in the next for the next five to ten years, drafting a quarterback obviously is the best idea because you have him on a relatively manageable contract for five years. And then when you extend him, you can kind of use the draft for other things. But either way, uh, the other notable free agent quarterbacks, you're looking at Ryan Tannehill, who I am very much opposed to signing because he had one great year under Arthur Smith and he hasn't really replicated it since. Um, you've got bridge quarterbacks like Mitch Trubisky, Jacoby Brissett, Tyrod Taylor, who I think are free agents every year. Uh, Baker Mayfield would be my personal favorite if it didn't look like he was pretty much a lock to go back to Tampa Bay. So I'm not really considering him in this. Uh, Josh Dobbs has flashed the ability to be a starting quarterback, and then he's also flashed the ability to get benched for Nick Mullins. So there's a kind of a tale of two players there. The big elephant in the room is, will Russell Wilson be a free agent? The Denver Broncos might be cutting him. He definitely doesn't seem like he's on Sean Payton's good side. If Russell Wilson comes available, I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons sniff around him because I think he is still a capable quarterback. You just kind of have to pair him with a strong run in the game. Luckily, the Atlanta Falcons might have one of the best running back rooms in the NFL and be with Bijan and Tyler Algier. So if Russell Wilson come, becomes available, I wouldn't be surprised if they at least checked in with him, right? It depends on what he's asking for. If he gets bought out, I believe he's going to be getting like millions upon millions upon millions of dollars from the Buccaneers or from the Broncos. Sorry. So there's a good chance that you could get him for a relatively cheap deal because he's going to be getting a big check from the Denver Broncos. So but that would not be my first choice. Like I said, Kirk Cousins, if we're going the free agent route, would probably be my first choice. If you're going the draft route, personally, I'm looking at like a Drake May. I'm not the biggest Caleb Williams fan. I think Drake May is just a little bit better. The issue then becomes you have to trade up, and trading up always costs a large amount and can look horrible. Just ask the 49ers and Trey Lance. So that is the other big need. The second biggest need on this team is on the edge. The Atlanta Falcons had a good, a good defense last year. They were right outside the top 10 in a lot of different metrics. Um, but the edge pressure was still lacking. It was not as horrendous as it's been the last couple of years, but it was still not great. You know, you got a lot of production from Calais Campbell, from Bud Dupree. Part of it was also Grady Jarrett got hurt halfway through the year, so he didn't really get to do a ton. And David Onyemata had a decent year, but he was also kind of dinged by injuries. Arnold Ebikendi continued to show flashes. Uh, he's not all the way there just yet. And Zach Harrison had a had a good stretch down there. But I think you need one more guy on the edge. You don't probably a number one guy, so that way everybody can kind of slide down a level. So that you know, if you do resign Bud Dupree, for example, he's not your number one. He's your number two. Elias Campbell can kind of be your inside out guy. Ebikendi can be a rotational guy. I think it puts everybody in a much better position. Now, free agent-wise, I highly doubt the Falcons sign a guy because that's where it gets really expensive. And while the Falcons have cap space, they also have other places of need. And I think they're going to want to spread their money out. And they also showed last year, unless it was an Arthur Smith special, um, if Fontenot believes this, then they will allocate their resources more towards, you know, safeties and tight ends and, and places that are considered not as, quote-unquote, valuable. But just to kind of name some names on the free agents, uh, free agent end, Chase Young is kind of the best mix of remaining upside and current production. He's had multiple seven and a half sack seasons. He's always kind of graded out as a good run defender. His time in San Francisco, he didn't look great, but I don't know how much of that was getting traded midseason, how much of that was, you know, whatever. Uh, but Chase Young is, has plenty of upside. There's a reason he was a number two pick, and, but he was going to be very expensive. 
So I don't imagine we will win that. But, you know, Josh Allen from Jacksonville as well. He's been fantastic his career. Brian Burns is another one uh, that I've seen kind of mentioned. It's going to take some significant financial um, commitments to get those guys in Atlanta. Now, if you're going for more of a sort of bargain bin type, if you're looking for, uh, you know, uh, cheaper guys, Derek Barnett, from he played very well in Houston after getting cut in Philadelphia. He has the draft pedigree. He's always kind of been a solid rotational guy. He just played a little bit more over at Houston. Um, Atlanta favorite, Dante Fowler, is still a free agent. I highly doubt that he'll be brought in. Jadavian Clowney is a great example of a solid, um, a solid veteran who's kind of played everywhere. Always a good run defender. Always good for a couple sacks here and there. Uh, but that's if you're just bringing in a a rotational guy. And then you know some some prospects that haven't necessarily panned out yet. Yatur Grossmatos, AJ Epinesa, uh, Shaq Lawson. Josh Uche out of New England is an interesting one because he had an 11, 11 and a half sack season in 2022, but did not replicate that this year. And he's never played more than 40% of the snaps. So again, another rotational guy. Um, if they go the draft route, you're looking at, you know, maybe Jared Verse at number eight if they sign a quarterback. Uh, Braylon Trice is one of my personal favorites out of Washington. So the edge is definitely um, a question. The other two bit things are more you want to raise the ceiling on your team by doing this uh the next one is the number like the receiver room but specifically a number two receiver mac hollins was supposed to be the number two receiver supposed to be another big body out there and he had some good games at the beginning of the year but he kind of tapered off towards the end of the year to where he was almost invisible i don't know how much of that was the struggles of the rest of the offense but Either way, you know, probably you want to upgrade that. I would imagine that's another draft area. I don't think that they're going to want to pony up for a receiver, although there's always plenty of receivers. I imagine they'll sign more like a couple number three, number fours. I would love to see the Falcons add a guy that is a pure burner on the outside, right? I like Drake London. I've always been a fan of bigger receivers, but I think the Falcons need to kind of balance it out a little bit, add a fast guy. Um, in the vein of what Scotty Miller was supposed to be, except maybe just a little bit higher end. You could probably get that in the draft as well if you want to wait till the third day and get a get a pure deep threat guy. But um, you know, Drake London is a good number one receiver. I like having him out there. And also you have Kyle Pitts, who's more or less a wide receiver anyway. But uh just getting another guy that can kind of threaten the outside. Uh uh, preferably in you know, kind of short, short areas, similar to what Muhammad Sanu used to be. If you remember Muhammad Sanu's time in Atlanta, he was the best slant runner I have ever seen in my life. There was nobody that could get the ball out of his hands. He had the strongest hands I think I've ever seen. He was fantastic on those five-yard routes. I think the Falcons need a similar guy to that. Uh, the other big one that I can see is safety and center. Now, the Falcons have incumbents right now at those positions. At center, they've got Drew Dahlman. At safety, they've got Richie Grant. Um, center for me, it, Drew Dahlman hasn't given me any reason to dislike him. I just think that there's higher upside there, especially draft wise centers for some reason are never top tier prospects. You never see them bandied about in the, in the, you know, first round, not even the second round, but like last year, for example, Joe Tipman, I loved him as a prospect. I thought he could be great. And he was a starter his rookie year. Drew Dahlman just kind of, I feel like there's a ceiling on him. I think he's capped out as like a, a borderline league average guy. And I think that there's an opportunity for the Falcons to kind of improve on that. Definitely not in free agency. There's not a lot of centers that are hitting free agency, but 
even just to bring in competition in the draft. I mean, Matt Hennessy was supposed to be competition, but Matt Hennessy never really flashed as anything. And that's part of the reason why I also think Drew Dahlman ended up the starter was because he was just better than Hennessy. Uh, but at safety, Richie Grant is the other incumbent. And Richie Grant has been kind of the Falcon that has been criticized the most in public. I've never really had a problem with him, but I definitely don't think he's the greatest. I think he's probably better as like a, he's kind of drafted to be a, a, a deep safety, but that's what Jesse Bates has become. So if the Falcons want to trade him out for like a box safety, um, that would be the next thing that I would say that they should be doing, or at least looking to do. And the best part about the NFL draft is there's always a bunch of safeties and a lot of them are kind of specifically certain types of guys. Like some of them are plenty of box safeties, you know, center field, hot top safeties. If you want to take another guy that can kind of play anywhere, um, for example, the top safety in this class, like Cameron Kitchens or Tyler Newbin, guy like that. Um, and then you just have two safeties with them and Jesse Bates who can play all over the field. You really start to unlock a lot of things that can be done with this Raheem Morris, Jimmy Lake defense. So those are the big, the big five needs for me for the Atlanta Falcons roster. Quarterback, edge, number two receiver, center, and safety. Now we'll talk about a little bit more in-depth about where I think each one should be going. Um, as we get closer and closer to those, I'll probably be doing some mock drafts because that is my personal favorite thing to do. Speaking of mock drafts, if you want to listen to some more prospect talk, if you want to figure out or be told um, and hear the scoop on who the next MLB superstar is, who the underrated NBA draft prospects are, or who you know could be a, a late round sleeper in the NFL drafts, go follow my TikTok page at SadAtlantaFan1113. I post one to two videos a day. Right now I'm talking about the NBA big board that I have currently going and the top 10 prospects in every MLB team's farm system. So if you really want to participate in that talk, go follow me on TikTok. Otherwise, stay right here. Later on this week, we'll be talking Georgia Tech as we always do. We'll be talking about the Atlanta Braves and their spring training roster and how it is about to start and the best time of year is around the corner and the Atlanta Hawks and exactly what their problems are. But um, do you have anything you want to say to me? If you have any feedback, you can leave a review under this podcast or you can email me at joshuajulian26 at outlook.com. JoshuaJulian26 at Outlook.com. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why something I said was the stupidest thing you've ever heard. Or tell me why I'm right. Um, because I have an ego that I would like to boost personally. Either way, thank you for tuning in. Let me know what you think. And stay tuned for the next episode of What's the Good Word? Peace out. Peace out.